episode two. Frank had no telephone, and in any case, he had deeply mistrusted the police ever since they had taken him in for questioning about the Riddle's deaths. He put down the kettle at once, hurried back upstairs as fast as his bad leg would allow, and was soon back in his kitchen, fully dressed and removing a rusty old key from its hook by the door. He picked up his walking stick, which was propped against the wall, and set off into the night. The front door of the Riddle House bore no sign of being forced, nor did any of the windows. Frank limped around to the back of the house until he reached a door almost completely hidden by ivy, took out the old key, put it into the lock, and opened the door noiselessly. He had let himself into the cavernous kitchen. Frank had not entered it for many years. Nevertheless, although it was very dark, he remembered where the door into the hall was, and he groped his way toward it, his nostrils full of the smell of decay, ears pricked for any sound of footsteps or voices from overhead. He reached the hall, which was a little lighter owing to the large mullioned windows either side of the front door, and started to climb the stairs, blessing the dust which lay thick upon the stone because it muffled the sound of his feet and stick. On the landing, Frank turned right and saw at once where the intruders were. At the very end of the passage, a door stood ajar and a flickering light shone through the gap casting a long sliver of gold across the black floor. Frank edged closer and closer, grasping his walking stick firmly. Several feet from the entrance, he was able to see a narrow slice of the room beyond. The fire, he now saw, had been lit in the grate. This surprised him. He stopped moving and listened intently, for a man's voice spoke within the room. It sounded timid and fearful. There is a little more in the bottle, my lord, if you are still hungry. Later, said a second voice. This, too, belonged to a man, but it was strangely high-pitched and cold as a sudden blast of icy wind. Something about that voice made the sparse hairs on the back of Frank's neck stand up. Move me closer to the fire, Wormtail. Frank turned his right ear toward the door, the better to hear. There came the chink of a bottle being put down upon some hard surface, and then the dull, scraping noise of a heavy chair being dragged across the floor. Frank caught a glimpse of a small man, his back to the door, pushing the chair into place. He was wearing a long black cloak, and there was a bald patch at the back of his head. Then he disappeared from sight again. Where is Nagini? came the cold voice. I, I don't know, my lord, said the first voice nervously. She set out to explore the house, I think. You will milk her before we retire, Wormtail, said the second voice. I will need feeding in the night. The journey has 
tired me greatly. Brow furrowed. Frank inclined his good ear still closer to the door, listening very hard. There was a pause, and then the man called Wormtail spoke again. My lord, may I ask how long we're going to stay here? A week, came the cold voice. Perhaps longer. The place is moderately comfortable, and the plan cannot proceed yet. It would be foolish to act before the Quidditch World Cup is over. Frank inserted a gnarled finger into his ear and rotated it. Owing, no doubt, to build-up of earwax, he had heard the word Quidditch, which was not a word at all. Uh, the Quidditch World Cup, my lord, said Wormtail. Frank dug his ear still more vigorously into his ear. Forgive me, but I, I do not understand. Why should we wait until the World Cup is over? Because, fool, at this very moment wizards are pouring into the country from all over the world, and every meddler from the Ministry of Magic will be on duty, on the watch for signs of unusual activity, checking and double-checking identities. They will be obsessed with security, lest the muggles notice anything. So, we wait. Frank stopped trying to clear his ear out. He had distinctly heard the words Ministry of Magic, Wizards, and Muggles. Plainly, each of these expressions meant something secret, and Frank could think of only two sorts of people who would speak in code, spies and criminals. Frank tightened his hold on his walking stick once more and listened more closely still. Your lordship is still determined, then, Wormtail said quietly. Certainly I am determined, Wormtail. There was a note of menace in the cold voice now. A slight pause followed, and then Wormtail spoke, the words tumbling from him in a rush as though he was forcing himself to say this before he lost his nerve. It could be done without Harry Potter, my lord. Another pause more protracted, and then, Without Harry Potter, breathed the second voice softly. I see. My lord, I do not say this out of concern for the boy, said Wormtail, his voice rising squeakily. The boy is nothing to me, nothing at all. It is merely that if we were to use another witch or wizard, any wizard, the thing could be done so much more quickly. If you allowed me to leave you for a short while, you know that I can disguise myself most effectively. I could be back here in as little as two days with a suitable person. I could use another wizard, said the second voice softly. That is true. My lord, it makes sense, said Wormtail, sounding thoroughly relieved now. Laying hands on Harry Potter would be so difficult. He is so well protected. And so you volunteer to go and fetch me a substitute? I wonder. Perhaps the task of nursing me has become wearisome for you, Wormtail. Could this suggestion of abandoning the plan be nothing more than an attempt to desert me? My lord, I, I have no wish to leave you. None at all. 
Do not lie to me, hissed the second voice. I can always tell, Wormtail. You are regretting that you ever returned to me. I revolt you. I see you flinch when you look at me, feel you shudder when you touch me. No, my devotion to your lordship. Your devotion is nothing more than cowardice. You would not be here if you had anywhere else to go. How am I to survive without you when I need feeding every few hours? Who is to milk Nakini? But you seem so much stronger, my lord. Liar! breathed the second voice. I am no stronger, and a few days alone would be enough to rob me of the little health I have regained under your clumsy care. Silence! Wormtail, who had been spluttering incoherently, fell silent at once. For a few seconds, Frank could hear nothing but the fire crackling. Then, the second man spoke once more in a whisper that was almost a hiss. I have my reasons for using the boy, as I have already explained to you, and I will use no other. I have waited thirteen years. A few more months will make no difference. As for the protections surrounding the boy, I believe my plan will be effective. All that is needed is a little courage from you, Wormtail. Courage you will find unless you wish to feel the full extent of Lord Voldemort's wrath. 